The Inside Learning Podcast is brought to you by the Learnovate Center. Learnovate's research explores the power of learning to unlock human potential. Find out more about Learnovate's research on the science of learning and the future of work at learnovatecenter.org. Flex is a manifesto for living and working on your terms. It means looking at the established, rigid ways of doing things and asking, is this really working for me? If the answer to that question is no, Today's episode is for you. Welcome to the second season of the Inside Learning Podcast brought to you by the Learnovate Centre here in Trinity College, Dublin. I am your host, Aidan McCullen, and today's guest conceived the Flex Manifesto. It is a fantastic book, and she is the author of that book, Flex, Reinventing Work for a Smarter, Happier Life. Annie Auerbach, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Aidan. It's a real pleasure to be here. It's great to talk to you again, Annie. And I was reflecting on our last conversation and my notes after reading your book. And I flicked through the book again. And I was thinking, how do I set Annie up here to give a high level context of this book, why you wrote it, etc. And I said, the best thing I can do is grab a quote from the book that I absolutely loved. So I'm going to give you that. And then you please feel free to bring it anywhere you like. It goes as follows. When we learn how to flex, we gain a superpower that allows us to challenge what is holding us back and reinvent the rules for a smarter, happier life. Because things are changing for women across the globe. We are getting married and having children later, if at all. Dual income families have replaced the traditional template of a man as breadwinner and a woman as homemaker. Technology allows us to work differently and understand ourselves better. But the old systems still persist. We're continually bashing up against inflexible structures that were built by and for men. We are trying to do everything but following a rule book we did not write. I absolutely love that, particularly that last line, Annie. Over to you to give us some context for this book. Thank you. Um, well, thank you for pulling out that quote. I mean, I actually wrote that prior to the pandemic. Um, so I wrote I wrote Flex before before the pandemic, and I kind of wrote it wearing two hats. One um, was that I am the co-founder of a cultural insights agency called Starling, and our job is to help brands understand socio-cultural change all around the world. And so I had been noticing all these forces that seemed to be coalescing, which were pushing towards Flex. Um, prior to the pandemic. So things like, you know, that we're living longer lives, our careers are longer, we need to work more sustainably. Um, As you pointed out from that quote as well, more women globally in the workforce than ever. Uh, What does that mean for the emotional load at home and and how women are still burdened with that? Um, Thinking about tech and all these amazing leaps forwards we're able to make. And it just felt like Flex is an ideology. It, the time had come, really. It was it was reaching tipping point. I didn't <laughs> predict the pandemic, and I didn't realize how quickly, um, you know, the blistering speed at which everything would change um, as companies scrambled to make um, working from home a reality. Um, so, on the one hand, I wrote it with that in mind, thinking all of these big sociocultural forces are. Uh, are, are gathering pace and it feels like this is something that's going to happen. But then I wrote it from a personal point of view as well, because I had been um, 
working or trying to work flexibly for the last 20 years, whether that be working part-time, um, having a portfolio career, so being a writer, a journalist, whilst also working in a research agency. I was director of an international research agency at the time. Um, coming back after maternity leaves, after I had my two daughters and working two days a week, three days a week, four days a week, etc. I tried it all. And it was really hard, Aidan. I've, I've talked to you about this before, but incredible um, prejudice and barriers and, um, and feeling really like a, an exception to the rule. Um, and I wanted to write a book that made things easier for people who wanted to live and work better and to learn from some of my mistakes, to speak to some of the most amazing pioneers around flexible working that I could um, interview and and really, as you, as you kindly put it, produced a, a manifesto for a different way of thinking about living and working. There's something you said that's really important there. You wrote it before the pandemic. So you felt this as a working mother at that time. And I can only imagine how difficult it has been. And I, I do know how my wife has been phenomenal during the pandemic, schooling the kids, etc. And there's things that this book did for me as a man, I said this to you before, you allowed me to get inside the world a little bit and see through your eyes and feel that, like, for example, the emotional burden of carrying the sandwich generation where maybe a mother's looking after her parents and her children and then she's thinking about everything and it's funny before the pandemic i didn't see those things because i was at work i was away i wasn't here and then during the pandemic i saw the remarkable work that a mother does by caring for her children thinking about not just her parents with her brothers, her sisters, are they okay? Are they managing the pandemic okay, etc.? While, and this is, it's not a selfishness, but some of those things just never even dawned on me. And you really, really opened my mind to that. And I thought that was really important to emphasize as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the pandemic made so much of that invisible, unappreciated work visible. I'm not sure if it was fully appreciated still, even so, but the pandemic was very unkind really to working mums, working mothers. Um, they were falling out of the workplace quicker. Um, they were put on furlough more. Um, the emotional burden lay on their shoulders even more so, even though it was becoming more visible. So the whole period um, when schools were shut um, was an incredibly um, stressful moment. And there were so many newspaper headlines which were sort of like, women's primeval scream as they're trying to manage it all. Um, but it, it really was making visible something that was just under the surface and completely um, un uncommented on. And it's everything from the chores of the household to the emotional labor, which is, as you described, kind of this antennas con constantly quivering to try and understand, are people okay? What do they need? Whether that be um, parents, might be grandparents, you might be, you know, you talked about a sandwich generation, it might be a triple, triple decker sandwich, because we we are living longer lives, and you might be looking after more than, um, more than three generations, really. Um, and also thinking about your local community, and if people need um, food and, and contact in your local community. So it really did feel like a moment of, of, of strain, but empathy, I would say, um, and uh, in some ways, 
Um, it was it was a delight to see it recognized in another ways. It was very difficult to see that things were changing so slowly still. We have this moment now because of the pandemic, because of what that's done to everybody. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes people who have, as as you say, written the rule book, which were men who are predominantly in positions of power and leadership still to experience the hardship in order to take any action. And we see this, for example, in business, when an organization sometimes knows there's an iceberg coming, but it, it has to hit the iceberg to take any action. And I feel that the pandemic in a way has done that. And, and we have this working world sitting on the pottery wheel. It's a big ball of clay and we can mold it for the future. And that's why I think the intervention of your book now, if it reaches more people and if people think that way, we can mold the working world for the future because it absolutely needs to change. And this is a huge opportunity for us. But at the same time, it feels like the pandemic has sent women in working world backwards in some way as well. People, as you said, have dropped out of work. It's like we were on step 50 of the ladder and now we're right back to 30 or something like that. I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think you're absolutely right. It's a time for experimentation. It's a hugely ambitious time. It feels like we've kind of, the genie is out of the bottle now. Um, so um, we are going to be looking towards a much more flexible way of working. People want that. Um, you can't you can't revert back to old rigid ways now. Um, and businesses are, are, are navigating that change as we speak. And it should be a profoundly ambitious and exciting time because, as you say, you talk about clay. You know, this is a malleable time. We realize that. Um, the old rules don't need to be followed anymore. So we can listen and really understand, especially to the people that have been marginalized in the workplace. So the people whose voices haven't been heard, the people who've been neglected. Um, what was it like? Uh, how can we change things for the better? How can we ensure that we make the workplace a, a fairer and more equitable place? Um, so that for me is profoundly exciting because it feels like, you know, um, all the pioneers of flexible work um, would be talking rationally about the benefits to the to the business, um, about how um, how productivity would remain the same or go up or how attention would increase, how engagement would increase, how costs would go down. And, and we've been talking about that for years and then it took the pandemic to unlock it as a real possibility because so many businesses that I had been talking to said, oh, well, it, it might work in some industries, but absolutely it could never work in ours because of X, Y, and Z, because you know, our clients demand 24-7 responsiveness, or we work internationally, therefore this, or you know, the way that our office culture works we, means that we all need to be proximate and present all the time. Uh, so, so those kind of 180s were happening as they as they changed and uh, as they as they adapted to what the pandemic required from the working world, really. Um, but you're right that it, it, as much as it's, it's an ambitious time, it's a, it's a time on a precipice as well because we could go backwards, and we have been going backwards in terms of. Um, um, women's um, progress in the workplace. So it's it's a time to really lean into the complexity and um, and and really sort of make things better. And I think the best way to do that is to is to, as I've said, be experimental and be empathetic. Listen, understand, 
try things out. If they don't work, try again. I think there's a human instinct, which is we need to nail down a new model. What is it going to be? Is it going to be hybrid? Is it going to be three days in the office, two days not in the office? What are those days going to be? And I understand that because it's been um, a profoundly kind of um, stressful upheaval of a period. But it would be such a waste if we nailed down a model which isn't fit for purpose or isn't fit for the next wave of change or isn't fit for a truly inclusive workplace. So um, so my, my advice is, is, to, is to keep it malleable until we understand really how ambitious we can be about this. And I really feel, Annie, I, I hope our audience, we've many people who work in learning and development and HR in organizations, CEOs of organizations, and those leaders can really make an impact. One of the things I experienced during the pandemic is I, I work partly as a, an executive coach and some of the coaches, one of them was telling me a story about how it's so difficult in the evenings because they work with the US and they're five hours behind or eight hours behind, depending on which coast. And they'll get emails at all times. And I go, but just don't answer them. And he goes, oh, it's not the culture. And I go, but you're, you lead your department, you change your department. And I said, just do me a favor, do an experiment. When you get that next email, and maybe it go, don't answer it and see what happens. So he, he did it. He told me about this afterwards. And he said, next thing he gets a call from one of his colleagues and he goes, oh, that is an email from so-and-so in America. You haven't answered it. It's sitting there an hour. And he goes, yeah, I'm not going to answer it. And he goes, oh, you're sure. Right. And then the person started emailing his colleague. And then he stepped in. He said, please don't email my team after hours. We work until 5.30 p.m. And he said the next day he came in and his team mates, his team, those people who work under him as a manager were so grateful to him. And I was like, going, you, you can be the change. Yes. He who pays the piper calls the tune and all that. And we're sometimes under that kind of invisible pressure or that hidden, the veiled threat of what if, but when you start to push back, that's when the changes start to happen. And, and I really felt if people can read your book and, and particularly men as well, because the, sometimes privilege means you, you just don't know. You actually don't know. You don't see it because it's invisible to you. And I felt really, really that your book does this for, for us, all of us. That's, that's such a good story. And I, I really understand the pressures that were being faced there. Um, you know, one of the things that I really try and stress about flexibility is flexibility can sound like such a soft and pliable word. You know, if you're flexible, you sort of bend over backwards, don't you? And you try and sort of please everybody. And that's absolutely not the case. Um, I think in order for flex to work, it needs hard edges. Um, it needs boundaries. And I definitely... Um, felt grateful for the flex that I was granted earlier on in my career. So much so that on my days off that I'd worked so hard to negotiate, to achieve, I felt the pressure of having to answer emails and be present and feel like I was a um, valued member of the team uh, who was committed, you know, not out of sight, out of mind. 
And it's such a pyrrhic victory. It's such a, you know, you're shooting yourself in the foot if you negotiate this flexibility or you work hard to create a culture that um, that is not about burnout, that is about rest and recuperation. And then you get sucked into this endless cycle of meetings and replying to emails. Um, the average day gets longer and longer and technology becomes a way of enabling burnout rather than a way of enabling flexibility. So um, so absolutely, I think the biggest challenge really is to um, understand boundaries, understand hard edges and um, prioritise health and well-being. And I don't know if you saw the um, work trend index from Microsoft, their latest one, 2022 one, but it was interesting that one of the big findings is that um, people are prioritizing health and well-being much more. Um, and they talk about it in the context of the great resignation or the great reshuffle. So part of the motivation for um, people leaving work um, is a moment of introspection, really. Um, how does this make me feel? How am I able to live a full and balanced life? Um, uh, how can I prioritize what's important to me, whether that be my family or my health or my well-being or my interests. And so I think it's 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 a new um, moment of introspection that the pandemic has triggered. And um, it, it, it will do as much for existing working culture as for people's individual journeys and deciding what they want to do in terms of their own careers. I love that. I, I, I feel it's almost like a forest fire the pandemic has been and it, it's unleashed some latent potential in people some seeds of you know with a forest fire that some trees need the heat in order to release their seeds because because the resin around their pine cones for example melts and releases the seed and I, I see the pandemic in that way in some way so that's where I think books like yours are so important now when we have this chance to reset and I wanted to just share with the audience as well, the book is about much more than flexible work. It delves into flexible thinking, flexible homes, flexible flexing for our bodies, and importantly, flexing for our futures. But I wanted to zoom into something that you've touched on, because many of our audience will have experienced this, and you have personally experienced what you call societal flexism, because it's rife. And you say for too long, it's been ghettoized, labeled as a mum thing, a women's issue, which needs to be solved by women. But flexism is a cultural thing. Because you mentioned there that even the word hybrid. And as you said, you, you don't really like that word, because it, it means you're neither one or the other. Sometimes those words suggest a lack of commitment. And these are important factors to consider. Yeah, I think so. So flexism um, is something that I definitely experienced and um, so many of the people I interviewed for the book did as well. In other words, a sense that if you do work flexibly, you are not committed. Um, you're out of sight, out of mind. You are, you know, the first one out the door. You aren't on the senior track, but you're on a, a slower track or a parent track, a, a mummy track, maybe, if you're a parent. Um, and so, so it's a it's a sort of structural thing, which is based on the fact that a good worker is working all the hours, is present. Um, the fact that 
a boss needs to be able to see somebody immediately in order for them to be top of mind, in order for them to be um, somebody that you trust. Trust is based on proximity and presence rather than um, rather than a more um, evolved definition of what trust might be in an organization. Um, there's also something we've heard of the glass ceiling, but there's also something which is the sticky floor, whereby um, workers who've managed to negotiate flex might almost sacrifice their career progression in order to keep that flexibility. In other words, they're so grateful for the flex that they maybe don't want to leave and go to a job which might offer a different form of progression because they feel like they'll have to start all over again um, to build up that trust and to build up um, that kind of social capital within the business to be able to um, ask for flexibility. So all of this is, is quite infrastructural and I was hoping, actually, when the pandemic hit, that some of those prejudices would disappear when everybody was doing it at the same time in the form of home working. However, it doesn't appear to be the case because we hear so many messages um, from on high, whether it be government ministers or bosses, saying, you know, there's no substitute for being there. And, you know, um, if you're if you're not face to face, you'll miss out on promotions, or you'll miss out on this intangible cultural um, vibe, which you get from, I guess, hanging out by the water cooler or something. And so there is um, a sense that this flexism is is pervasive still. And you're, you're absolutely right. We were having a chat just before we started recording this about the word hybrid. And that seems to be completely normalized now. We're in an age of hybrid work. How are you going to navigate hybrid? And it, and it feels like we've started using that word without really thinking about what it means. And what hybrid means is when you look it up in the dictionary, it's two entirely different species, maybe like of plants, the offspring of two plants, of two varieties that come together. Um, a sense that, you know, working remotely and working in the office is two entirely different things. And I, I think what we've proved during the pandemic, that's not true. We've been as productive. You know, we've we've stayed in touch. We've managed to have um, a, a, a fulfilling work life. It's even, you know, the fear that we would shirk from home hasn't happened. The opposite, in fact, that we're overworking, meetings are longer and the average day is increasing. So I think we need to not think of hybrid work as something which is, um, you know, entirely new as well. There's this kind of year zero idea, like it's only started from now, we've invented hybrid working. People have been flexibly working for decades. They've largely been ignored, their voices. Um, but, you know, this hasn't started from scratch. This is not a new thing. We should be listening to the people who've been doing it with elegance and um, with ambition uh, and listen to how they've achieved it in the past as well. Because hybrid, I think, makes it sound like we're compromising here or indeed that this is a stopgap or a sticking plaster. But actually, this is just working. And if we can think of the way we're doing it now as working, and how to make that really work for everybody, rather than using words like hybrid, which I think are going to add <laughs> to the flexism or to the prejudices, rather than actually um, feeling inclusive and feeling like this is a, a new wave. Beautiful, Annie. I was going to ask you for a final call out to our audience, a call to action, but I think you've absolutely done it there. 
And the real last question I have for you is where can people find you? People will be interested in maybe the book, maybe Starling, the agency, or indeed keynotes, etc. Where can they find you? Oh, well, that's very kind. So I'm on Twitter at Annie Auerbach and um, Starling is starlingstrategy.co.uk. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'm doing keynote speeches and speaking at conferences, but also helping businesses understand social change as we as we move forward from this point. So thank you so much. Author of Flex, Reinventing Work for a Smarter, Happier Life, Annie Auerbach, thank you for joining us on Inside Learning. Thanks, Aidan. Thank you so much for having me. Next up on the Inside Learning podcast, we welcome Senior Business Manager with the LearnAvate Centre, Linda Waters. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Aidan. Delighted to be here. It's great to have you on the show. And this show in particular, this episode is something that you work around a lot. Obviously, you've experienced a lot as we all have in the last two years. And I'm just going to open with a very broad question on this. Your thoughts on the episode, your thoughts on Annie's thoughts and what you're seeing yourself in your work to date. I think myself, you know, as a working mom, finding that balance is easier within a flexible working arrangement. Very important part of what we're seeing even with organizations is how do you have that balance and how do you get it right and the flexibility around that. And particularly with the focus that Learnovate has is around learning and, and development and working with organizations around how do people learn in a digital environment. Companies are telling us that they're seeing that difference in, you know, the relationship and expectations and approach to learning. And I suppose more so now is that staff are looking at their career paths and the options available to them. And, um, you know, and technology really can have a positive role in that flex and um, particularly with accessibility and opportunities it can bring for a range of people. It's an interesting one. I was thinking about what you said there, but you, you've experienced what it's like to be a working mom. You've obviously went to maternity leave and come back to organizations as well. And having a kid like that changes how you work because you become way more efficient. I always noticed that when working moms came back into the working environment, they were really, really efficient and they didn't waste any time. And I, I experienced that before I had children myself. And then when I had children, I totally understood it. But there's still this element that is in any, any work environment where, for example, I like to come in early into the workplace. I like to come in at 7.30 while other people kind of come in and it takes them a while to defrost in the morning. They have to go to the coffee machine and the water cooler moments, have a chat, check their email, check their social media. And it's almost 10 a.m. before they get going into the work. I like to really attack the day. And then later on in the day, I leave on time because or, or even earlier because I'm like, well, I've come in earlier. But yet you still get that looks, the daggers from people kind of going, where do you think you're going leaving so early? And yeah. Annie called this, as we witnessed in the show, she called it flexism. And that seems to be all the more the case for working moms or people who have flexible working arrangements. And I'd love your thoughts on that. I'm sure you've had chats with other mothers as well and fathers, people who have experienced flexism. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for 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 us who've gone back into the workforce and your your outlook on that is completely different and your focus and you're absolutely right, Aidan. I think a lot of the time you're you're nearly 
probably doing more than you did before because you feel like there is somebody looking over your shoulder sometimes to be honest I've been very lucky with the employers that I've had and haven't really come across that too much but yeah absolutely with my peers you hear it all the time Um, and it is around kind of looking at you know how do you communicate and how can you work with your employer in in so that you can get the best productivity from yourself but also for the from your your staff that you're working with and um, you know and we see it as well within Learnovate it's like making sure that you can be versatile you can be flexible you're you know to be able to be dynamic to make the most out of every interaction that you have whether that's internally with your own um you know with, with your internally with your teams but also with customer interactions as well um but the flexibility is there you know and if if companies embrace that they can really get the most out of their employees so take for instance if I wanted to you know walk my daughter to school in the morning I know that I can log in early and do some administration work first off that allows me to have that flexibility to do that when I am working remote but then if I need to have you know a face-to-face customer meeting I'm happy to to go into the the office to do that as well you know so that flexibility works on both sides. And then finally Linda one of the things we talked about on that show was that the working world is like this ball of clay that's sitting on the pottery wheel and that we all have a chance to shape the future of work. Now some of that is outside our remit and some of that is outside our control, but we can influence it. And I was wondering from your work and from your experience with the touch point of clients, what are you seeing and how do you see the future of work panning out? Oh my God, Aidan, that is the million dollar question. And uh, I'd love to have that crystal ball. But in all seriousness, the work that we do is really around, you know, ensuring that companies make best decisions in terms of looking at their delivery of that online learning, whether it is from a school's higher ed or a corporate sector. And what we see is that many companies you know, are moving towards a more modern workplace model that really does improve, you know, customer satisfaction and uh, productivity. And so that's right from startup companies to larger enterprises that Learnovate works with is around that employee engagement is a priority. And I suppose what we see is, you know, companies who are investing and making learning um, and development a priority will see improvements in talent uh, attraction, employee engagement and market position and, and really much more. And I suppose, you know, those companies, as as Annie mentioned earlier, um, who are unwilling to be flexible are likely to lose out in the war of talent. And like when I speak about flexibility, it is really around that flexibility to support um, employees around their career path planning and what learning and development can they offer um, themselves internally, but also what supports can they do for their staff who are maybe, you know, um, doing training and development with external uh, institutions like Trinity College as well. It reminds me, Linda, of this magnificent quote by Confucius that the green reed which bends in the wind is stronger than the mighty oak which breaks in the storm. And the workplace needs to be more flexible like this. Working environment needs to be more flexible. And ultimately, employers and organizations need to have this flexibility as well. Linda, for people who want to find you, where can they find you? Aiden, they can find us at learnovatecenter.org. And you can find all the back series of our podcasts there as well on the learnovatecenter.org website. 
It's been a pleasure talking to you, Senior Business Manager with the LearnInvite Centre, Linda Waters. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Aidan. Inside Learning is brought to you by the Learnovate Centre in Trinity College, Dublin. Learnovate is funded by Enterprise Ireland and IDA Ireland. Visit learnovatecentre.org to find out more about our research on the science of learning and the future of work.